Okay, right. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast preview show, which means it's got to be seven o'clock on a Friday evening. And uh, my beer is, my pint glass is full, uh, as are the others. Jonathan's got a mug of tea on the go, and it's probably best that I say hello. Jonathan, how are you? I'm very good, Chidge. Thank you very much. How are you? Lovely uh, to be on the show. I, I haven't thanks. seen you for so long. It's been sad, hasn't it? It's been four hours. I even. know, it feels like it. And a show about my um, uh, my second favourite team. And of course, what a load of rubbish. You can't say that. But uh, What, Chelsea's, Chelsea's uh, under-21s? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and the women's team. And the, their third favourite team. But as I live down the not far away from Craven Cottage, I think I'm allowed to have a great deal of affection for them. You're a, you're an old softy. You can do what you like, mate. We we positively encourage you. When I was really I really, my dad played in a charity football match at Craven Cottage. He was uh, and he saved the penalty. There you go. Well, sixty one. We may hear more about that later if we have time. Uh, now, the uh, third of us mob is of course our great mate and uh, fellow beer guzzler, Mister Martin Wickham. Evening, and I think Happy New Year to be first one. Of, is uh, it? Yeah, I thought yeah. this. Uh, I think it is. So if it's not too late to say Happy New Year, well, too late. I've already done so. Never too late. <laughs> Martin, never too late. Yeah. Uh, always delightful to see you, as you, as you well know. Now, um, I've been looking forward to this evening uh, very much because we've got a new a new person on the show. Um, as, as many of you will recall, we used to have uh, the wonderful Ollie Harbord on quite regularly on the Chelsea Fancast on both the Mondays and the... Uh, and the Fridays, and uh, I, and you know, it being that I, I do a weekly column for Football London, I quite often referred to uh, Ollie as my boss. So I think it's a case of um, what was the Who said Martin? Meet the new boss, same as the old. Boss. I think that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, we've got the lovely, lovely, lovely Sam Incasol on the show, who is the new Chelsea Football London Chelsea correspondent. Hello, mate. Nice to see you. Evening, guys. Yeah, I suppose Happy New Year as well. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on for my debut. Very much been looking forward to this. So yeah, thanks for having me on. We like to encourage new talent, Sam. <laughs> you, you come highly recommend. You're like the Declan Rice of uh, of uh, journalists who podcast, perhaps. I'll take that. Okay, well there we I'll go. Take- <laughs> we may well be speaking about Declan in a minute, actually, because I mean the pre- preeminently the first part of this show is really all about um, you know what's been going on in the news, uh, in the Chelsea news anyway this week, and of course you're very much involved with that. And I think the the biggest news this week really is, you know, uh, Ficayo Tomori um, is quite possibly going out on loan. I mean, the rumours are AC Milan, aren't they? But there are Premier League clubs involved too. Frank made a, a very staunch, interestingly staunch defence of Tomori, saying that he rates him and his future is very much with Chelsea. Was he just saying that or, uh, you know, is he is he probably often not to be seen again? I think he means it. Um he said about a week or so ago as well that Tomori would only leave on loan. He doesn't want to um, to get to see him go permanently. So I so I, I think he meant it. I do think he does have a future. He's just got too many centre-halves at the club at the moment, as we all know. Someone's got to be sacrificed, uh, and seemingly that person is, is Tomori. Um, I think a loan move will be good for him. He's too good for the championship. There's no need for him to go down down there anymore. I think he, he proved his worth more than more than that uh, with Derby um, when Lampard was there. So um, you're looking, I think Newcastle have been linked as well, Leeds United as well, those kinds of teams. I think that might be a, a decent move for him, but I think AC Milan would be would be a great move for for, for, for a player like Tomori to go and even develop his skills even further in, in Italy, which as we know, well, it, maybe more so in the past, 
has been a very tactical, defensive orientated league. It may, maybe not so much now, but that doesn't mean that they're that that. that you can't really learn your trade well as a defender like you can in Serie A. You look at the likes of Giorgio Chiellini, players that come through Leonardo Bonucci, etc. World-class defenders that all apply their trade in Italy. So yeah, they've I all think got an edge. All those yeah, centre exactly. halves have got an edge that he hasn't got. Actually. Yeah, there's just there's just something different about those Italian defenders, isn't there? There's, especially those those centre backs. They like they like uh, grabbing your nipples. Yeah, you do. Did you know that, your... Sam? Uh, yeah. Headbutting people in the chest as well. Yeah, grabbing you, or, grabbing, or having their having their chest headbutted. Sorry, grabbing you by the cock is another good one. <laughs> is that Coconaccio? Yeah, exactly. Very good. Jim. Thank you. I'm on fire already. Very, very good. Uh, Sam, I just asked you a question, Sam. Why do you think it hasn't worked mm, tomorrow? Given given that that he was he was so fantastic at Derby, supposedly, and he played 20 games, didn't he? That he he seemed to play pretty well in. What exactly happened? I know I heard he was out of favour. He'd been out he'd, at the beginning of um, lockdown. He'd been out with uh, with a girl or something. This was a rumour that had come through. But what is it that makes him fourth beside Rudiger? And obviously, if Silva's going to play, but uh, uh, beside Rudiger, Christensen, uh, and Rudiger and Christensen, uh, essentially, why is he the fourth one? Mm. Oh, well, the obvious one is it because Thiago Silva's right. So that's that's obviously no, he's obviously down, in, bumped, in, down, in, bumped in, down the order straight away. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's an interesting one actually. I, I, I'm not really sure if there is a definitive answer. I mean, that was just rumor about what about what he was doing. Off about the goal, yeah, but, okay. yeah. That's completely allegedly. I think is what we say here, isn't allegedly, it? Allegedly, yeah, yeah, allegedly, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's on Twitter. It must be real. <laughs> yeah, but you probably put it up there. Push. Um, that's a very. It's a really good question. Um, from what I've seen of Kurt Zuma, especially, I think he's just progressed even... Maybe it's his progression that has... And, and whereas Tamori, I think he, he he's only played four times. He only played four times in 2020. Mm. So perhaps it was more a case of seeing the progression of Kurt Zuma as he's grown into the role. I think he's become one of Lampard's most trusted players because he played him against Morecambe, didn't he, in the in the FA Cup. He, he seems to trust him more so than, more so than Tamori. So... Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if there is a... Um, uh, well, I personally don't know the definitive answer as to why he might be fourth choice, but I suspect it is, uh, people have just progressed quicker than he has, perhaps. It's, it's quite... I mean, it's 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 bugged most Chelsea supporters for a good um, six months, almost to a year, I would have thought, actually, Sam. I mean, Martin, we've been talking about it for ages because what we've seen when we've seen him play is a hugely impressive defender and... And then we look at Rudiger and we look at Christiansen and we just think, well, why isn't Tamori getting a chance? So it's really confused the hell out of us, hasn't it, mate? Yeah, absolutely. I've been quite vocal about my uh, reservations on Christiansen and I don't understand why Tamori fell down the pecking order the way he has. Um, I think the one concern I've got about him going to Milan is that um, they they want um, loan to buy. So they want the option to buy at the end of that period. He's going into a title race there as well. They're top of Serie A at the moment. Look very impressive. And, you know, if AC Milan wants to buy him outright, I'd imagine he would stay there as well. And, you know, from what I've seen of him, I think he'd do a very good job and he can only improve as a player for it. He's quite cultured, isn't he? He might go, oh, I quite fancy a bit of uh, learning Italian and uh, um, and all the, uh, the history there. Oh, there was something about him... Get a, doing a business degree in his spare time, wasn't it, yeah, or something like yeah. that? Yeah, so yeah, yeah he, may, he may want to. Although I'd imagine if you're going out um, playing football in a foreign country at the moment, you're barely allowed between the, mm. your hotel, the training ground, and the stadium. So you might have to wait a little bit to go around the, the Duomo and places like that. But yeah, he can only benefit 
benefit from that move. I just hope that it's not the end of his time at Chelsea, that there is a return path because well, Rudiger won't be there forever. I wouldn't, I would get rid of Christensen at the first opportunity and Thiago Silva is 36 years of age. Well, that's a good point. I mean, I, I mean, obviously I've, I've been picking up on what you guys have been writing all week, Sam, and there was a couple of interesting pieces on Football London about that, that there's, you know, Chelsea are facing quite a big defensive shake-up in the summer with the likes of Emerson, Alonso, Rudiger, Christensen, Aspie, uh, and even possibly Silva. I know that there's an option to extend his contract by a year. But there's a very good chance we might have to lose one, two, three, four, five. Uh, yeah, is that five? Yeah, six, including tomorrow, which is astonishing. We'd we just be left with Zuma. What's what's happening, Sam? Well, they want to sign Declan Rice. Well, that, yeah, I'm, but he's, he's going to be in the midfield. He's got to be a midfielder. For full disclosure, I don't know if ever, if your listeners all know, but I did used to cover West Ham. Well, that's so. yeah. I, I'm I'm mindful of that <laughs> about talking about Rice because you might know stuff that we might not have you know been aware of. So, I mean, Sorry, is, yeah, is it is it realistic, I, Rice? But I, I'll get that one in now. Actually, is that realistic? I think I think in the summer it will be. Uh, certainly not this month. Um, I think we, it, it it's clear it's a Lampard signing if it was to come off. So I think. If Lampard stays in the job past the end of this season, then it's more likely to happen than not. Um, and it, I, I suppose a lot depends on um, how much Chelsea want to want to spend. But then they're, they're not going to be spending less than seventy million on on him, unfortunately, for them. So if if that's if that's what it takes, if that what it takes, yeah. we know Chelsea can flex their financial muscles if they want to. Yeah. Uh, and if they want a player, they can invariably go and get them. So um, I think keep an eye on the summer because if West Ham. They're having a good season at the moment. If they drop off just a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me. Have have some beer, Sam. I might. Have I to recommend actually. it. You don't have to ask me twice. <laughs> um, I'll drink to yeah, that. <laughs> if um, if they drop off towards the end of the season and kind of fall down the table a little bit, then it might might be a more attractive uh, proposition for Declan. So, mm. <coughs> oh dear, I really went down the wrong hole. Excuse me. So yeah, um, not this, not in January summer. I'd certainly keep an eye on it. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, it sounds like they're, they're going to be in the market for some defenders as well because I think most of us, Jonathan, I mean, we're not huge. I mean, I love all Chelsea players in, on principle, but, you know, I don't think Rudiger's good enough and I haven't for a while. I really don't think Christensen's good enough and I haven't for a while. If his legs are okay, I like what I've seen with Silva. And, and as Sam was saying, I think that I think that Zuma's been one of our most improved and impressive players this season. Aspie, you know, we know he's coming to the end of his career. We've got James to replace him quite happily. <clears throat> I think we're vulnerable in left-back because Alonso, I think, whether one thinks he's good or not, we know that there are doubts about him as a left-back and he's fallen out with Frank. And uh, we don't think Emerson's necessarily good enough. So there's clearly going to have to be some buys in the summer, I would have thought. I think you're being very... Um tactful chidge because we've actually it's because um, we've got guests on is that what it is yeah. okay different 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 chidge on the monday oh, I, show I, right? I see yes of course yes yes because because uh, normally sam we uh we're not fans well several of us haven't been fans of emerson ever ever and uh right, yeah, okay. so, emerson. So it, uh, yeah and um uh and similarly uh, alonso we've worked out is wonderful in a um uh if he's playing a, a wing back but can't defend and um and since he uh, re- refused to watch the game and went to the team bus, he's obviously completely fallen out with Frank. But uh, I, we can't see where he would fit in anyway, regardless. 
So Emerson I, looks like a central midfielder sometimes. Yes, like, well, he did against, like, he did, the, like he did against Morecambe in the FA yeah, Cup. Yeah, but also then, but then shooting dreadfully. That's the <laughs> thing. I mean, True. really dreadful. Once again, we've got enough people who can't shoot. We've got Kovacic. We've got uh, <laughs> we've got Jorginho. We don't want another one coming in all the time to do that. But no, I I I I've got this big thing about. I don't quite understand why he plays for Italy all the time. Well, he seems to play um, better for Italy. It's a bit like Tony Cascarino again, who never played well for any team except for Ireland. Um, he wasn't that good. But uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's true. That's true. Okay, he, did no. score, he did score the goal against England, though, didn't he? Who the, put the ball in the English net? Tony Cascarino. Was I was going to say Ray Houghton, but you must be thinking of a different game. <laughs> yeah, a very different Ray game. Yeah. The only reason I remember that I was living in Tooting and it was sung regularly by the Irish family. Yeah. Oh, there was this, there's this belt of a story. I just want to divert because it's about Tony Cascarino. So they're playing at Italy in the 94 World Cup. Yeah. They're expecting loads of Italian-Americans to turn out for the team and all this. They get the coach along and there's a sea of green everywhere. Apparently, oh. I don't know how much of an urban myth this is, but Jack Charlton goes down the coach and goes, fucking El Cass, you're the only Italian here. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Great Sam. Sam. Finish off your question. Sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Go on. Second. Um, um, we thought they were all going ages ago. I thought in every transfer window, we've actually said so all these players are off, haven't we? Particularly Emerson. And so I, why haven't I, they? Is the question. I, I, I don't, I, I've never understood this. Perhaps Sam has a, has yeah, a window yeah. because particularly Emerson. Emerson wanted to go. He actually asked to leave October, not not um, last year, the year before, and because uh, he wasn't playing regularly enough. So I don't I don't actually understand why we've we've hung on to them for so long. And as uh, consequently, the other question would be: Is there likely to be any transfer activity in this window at all? It's not looking like it, is it? So I think it's going to be very quiet. Yeah. Um, this 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 month and um, there's there's very and and, and any uh, transfer business is going to be outgoings. I don't think there's going to be any incomings at all. In regards to your, your question on, on on Emerson, it's all well and good a player saying they want to leave, but you still need to find someone. No, to... no, but at the time I I, I I had a little I had a mole. It's a long oh, it's okay. a long a long story of idiocy, but you know, but he he got a couple of things absolutely spot on, and so um, from then on it was oh you know how's how's he do, how's he doing, and that was one of the main things, and he didn't leave, but it was just it was it was also the fact that he wasn't playing, and when he did play, he wasn't putting in a shift, and I thought well he's he wants to get away. I mean you can frequently tell with players if they're disgruntled, they you know they they just don't engage. But it, it, and it's his big thing, Emerson, that really annoys me is his inability to to actually take anybody on, despite him being supposedly su- you know such as I say for for Italy. He, then he'll suddenly do it. He'll have a decent game, and you get confused as to why wasn't he playing very well in the other one? Is he disgruntled? Is he not good enough? I don't get it. I want players to perform to the best of their abilities every time, but specifically if they get given an opportunity to come in and do something, you really want them to do it. And it for him the so why, played, why can't why why can't they get rid of him? That's what I want to know. The indeed. But just to say, he mentioned he played in the Krasnodar game and he took two of the two corners, hit the first man every time, pissed about. You just think, why aren't you making an effort? I just don't get it. Yeah. So, Sam, why 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 are they struggling to to offload some of these players? Is it is it to do with the the finances of a lot of clubs? Covid's got in the way of it. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think you're, you're absolutely spot on. Um, while the, you know we know football is not exactly a poor person sport. At that level, there's it, it, the COVID pandemic has it, it has hit clubs hard, and it will it's hit clubs like it's hit, Chelsea's hit, uh, have been affected by it. Um, I'm sorry to bring back up West Ham again, but they've been hit by it badly as well. Yeah. The, the owners have had to put thirty million pounds into the club in the rights issue just to keep it going. 
um, over the Is last that why few they got months. rid of Heller? Was Heller part of just, just balancing the books or just because they had an opportunity? To I think it's because they had an opportunity to get rid of him. Right. Um, some, someone came in with an offer that if you get, I think they'd done well to get 25 million for him, to be honest. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. His value had decreased that much from. Well, they, 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 they wildly overspent on him in the first I'm place. I'm surprised he struggled there, though. And he's gone back to Holland that scored on his debut for Ajax. So, a goal and know. two assists already he's yeah. got some for, for Ajax. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at the, the whole Emerson Alonso thing, you obviously got Emerson Alonso and Ben Chilwell. So, who are you, you going to keep as his backup? Well, that's true. I mean, you know. I mean, I think, I think we, I mean, I think what we've been saying for a long time is that, you know, Chelsea, whilst they're, you know, the, we're in a period really where we're, and this is why I think it's so important, by the way, that, that we keep hold of Frank Lampard, because if you get a new manager in sooner rather than later, you're basically throwing the baby out with the bathwater yet again. And the trouble is that we've had an accumulation of doing this for such a long time, Sam, that we've ended up with a lot of really poor squad players none of whom we seem to be able to shift out of the club. And actually, we're going through a, a phase at the moment, I think, where we're trying to get rid of them and replace them with good quality players. We, we, All of us on this show, Jonathan, this is a real hobby horse of Jonathan's, is that when Mourinho came in, his aim really was to have 25 players in that squad, all of whom who were top quality. You know, So you didn't have like a first 11 and then, oh, we've got a few crap players that can fill in if somebody's you know, or former injured. And that's where we, I think, need to get back to. And I think the best way to do that is bringing through some of these talented youngsters, which is what Frank's doing, supplement that with some genuinely world-class players. Chelsea's model these days seems to be going after young, you know, potentially world-class players, which is, a, I can understand the business rationale for that. And then, you know, some good squad players, but better quality than what we've got. And I think if if... If the if if football's finances, you know, globally or in Europe are in such a parlous state that you can't get a good return on some of these players, it's a bit worrying, I think. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're welcome I, back any time, Sam. I couldn't I couldn't have summed it up more perfectly, to be honest. Okay, there we it go. Was, it was Ken it was Kenyon, in fact, I always quote, because it was Kenyon who said that. We want to try and get um a, a top class player for every position in the squad. And uh, I know it creates a problem because you've then got your if players don't play, they're always going to object. But um, uh, I think everybody got to go because uh, and the t- also the club was so successful. That was the, the other main thing. The player isn't going to object violently if the club is doing really well. I think if the club isn't doing well and they then don't get a, an appearance, that's when the, uh, the schism starts appearing. Yeah. There's a couple of more stories. We've got a couple of well, I've got about a minute, really. So we've kind of talked a bit too much, really, on other things. But I really desperately want to talk to you about um, an article you wrote about, you know, basically Chelsea have had a lot more time on the training ground this week. And it's something that we've been saying nearly every week on the show as another one of many mitigations as to why, you know, the team aren't doing so well. There's so many games at the moment and we've got all these new players and don't have time to adapt. Tammy, I thought, was really good on that point. I mean, do you think that's valid, um, Sam? And do you think, this is the last one, Frank apparently has banned hugs in the training ground because of COVID. Do you think it's just COVID that he's banned hugs for, or what? <laughs> maybe trying to stamp some sort of, so, well, not trying to stamp some sort of authority on the ground. Although, although may, maybe he is um, trying to get things more to go his, for it to be um, done his way. Because as you, as we as you said, the, all over the last two weeks, really, it's been a chance for 
for the players to actually have some time on the training ground with him and to because I think Lampard said in his press conference yesterday that he wanted Timo Werner and his forwards to press higher up the pitch. That's something that they've not been able to work on. And I think we saw that exposed badly in that first half against Arsenal uh, and the whole game against Manchester City. So it's a chance for him, yeah, to drill down into the players exactly what he wants because Chelsea have been playing a game every four days mm. since the it, start of the season. Which you, And when you don't have that time on the training ground, uh, it, 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 does, it does affect things. So, um, yeah, I think... But then again, now we're all seeing we're we're seeing what he's saying now, thinking, oh, okay, we're going to see a brand new Chelsea against Fulham on Saturday. Um, that's moulded into the the Lampard that exactly what Lampard wants from them. So it's it's actually putting a fair bit of pressure on him, I think. But I think I think the press was something that he's we st- we did very very well earlier on in the season, and I think Werner benefited from it because I actually did some research into Leipzig. I thought I'd better have a look at this because to see why he was scoring goals for them. And the, the, the very um, um, modern thinking manager there, I can't remember his name. Um, Nagelsmann. Nagelsmann. Yeah, Nagelsmann. Yeah, seems to do an enormous amount of pressing. This major thing is pressing. And we haven't been doing that last few weeks and because that would gave Werner an opportunity if, if to get any ball that was snapped up to go in and beat a player. And it's in the net. That's his, that was his ability to get in there on the top of mistakes. And the very fact they've been very slow, we were trying to work out whether, because they haven't been pressing as much, whether it was because they were all exhausted because they had three games in a, in a week or they, they, whether he was actually deliberately telling them not to get so far forward. Then you have kind of disjointed pressing where some of them press and the rest don't. So there's this big gap in midfield. So I'd be very intrigued to see if he does actually have a go at doing this pressing much more as a team again against Fulham. Because that that's how they achieved, that's the advantages they had earlier on in the season. That's why they were winning more, I felt. Mm, good point Sam uh, we got to leave it there unfortunately but we will we will be getting you back on uh, many many times hopefully uh, throughout the rest of the season it's been delightful to have you on for your debut how did he do boys Um, I've got my cards with me I was going to say 9.9 9.9 Martin he'll be back He'll Flattery be back. will get you everywhere. That's all I'll say. Yeah, Flattery will get you everywhere. That's generous from Martin. He'll be back, I tell you. Uh, Sam, <laughs> yeah. it's been really great having you on, mate. And uh, thank you for... Uh, I think Adam's putting my waffly old piece up tomorrow morning. So I shall, is, an- yeah. I shall annoy everybody with that tomorrow morning over their <laughs> cornflakes. But thank you as always. We'll no, see thanks you- for having me on. Pleasure, mate. We'll see you again soon. Take well, care, mate. Cheers. Right, uh, after this short break, uh, we've got a time for our wonderful opposition view and we've got the lovely Sammy James from the Fulhamish podcast to join us. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast preview show with me, Stanford Chidge. Him over there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Hello. Uh, doing his Marcel Marceau impression. And the lovely Martin Wickham. Good evening. Uh, and now it's time for this. The Opposition View. Right, and on The Opposition View this week, we have an old friend of ours, actually, who, uh, I mean, I, 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 I say this hugely apologetically, he had to, it's a bit like herding cats, he used to occasionally present the uh, the Love Sport edition of the Chelsea yeah. fan cast on a Friday evening, and 
and we tried to make his life as hard as we possibly could. But thankfully, he's still speaking to us, and he's on the show tonight. Sammy James from the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello, everyone. How you doing? We're fantastic, mate. And it's really, really good to see you. Um, obviously, we're playing you lot tomorrow. A match yes. that all all of us would love to be at. I mean, one of my, I mean, I, I, largely because it's a bit of a joke. It's my, one of my favourite away trips because we drink in the same pubs pretty much. But uh, it's a very favourite um, match for Chelsea fans. None of us can go, which is a bit of a shame. You had a pretty poor start to the season. Everybody was worried about Fulham. You know, everybody thinks that Scott Park is not up to the job. And lo and behold, you're you've had a serious uptake in form. I think you're what unbeaten in the last five or something, drawing a lot of matches certainly, but against good teams. Great result this week against Spurs. Yeah, yeah, unbeaten in five, but you could also say winless in five because we've drawn all five games um, in go. a row, which um, is a bit of a bizarre uh, run of fixtures. Interestingly enough, um, we have actually drawn six once in the Premier League, um, which all happened to be London derbies in a row. Six London derbies, we drew them all, and it was back in 2007, including a couple of uh, games against Chelsea um, in that run. So, yeah, Fulham have been much improved. Um, why, why is that, Sammy? Oh, numerous factors. Look, the way that Fulham came up, it was a really, really difficult ask. And arguably, and you might think I'm being biased here, the most difficult task of staying in the Premier League of any side in the history of of the Premier League. I don't know back in Division 1 and all of that. But given the short amount of space that we had between winning the playoff final and the season starting four or five weeks, um, and we made a terrible, terrible start because we weren't ready for the Premier League. Um, we just were. We still had last season's defence, which was a bad championship defence. So um, it obviously got found out pretty quickly in the Premier League. But we've made some good signings, and Scott Park has adapted his team to this league. And that's what lots of managers don't do when they come up. We saw Daniel Park last year for Norwich not adapt to the Premier League. Savisi Kanovic last time we came up was just too arrogant and thought, well, we we knocked teams past in the championship. We'll do the same in the Premier League. But Scott Parker has learned from those mistakes and now realises is that the best way is to adapt your side to the division. And that's what we've done. And the, the results have been much improved. Mm. Was the Everton game uh, uh, at home at, at Craven Cottage, was that a big turning point? Because I, just, I watched the whole of it. And the first half, you were completely under the cosh. And then suddenly in the second half, he seemed to change it a little bit. And um, and also uh, um, Loftus-Cheek came on and played really well on the right. Um, and I think he'd been a substitute. And it was a complete, they lost the game, but it was a, a very different performance. And I actually remember thinking, um, they're a lot better now and he's doing things that work. And he got rid of the centre-half, didn't he? He used to play for Chelsea. What was his name? Uh, Michael Hector. Hector. Yeah, yeah, Hector, yeah. yeah got, but they were saying at the beginning of the season, what a great player he was. And I kept looking and thinking, are we watching the same game? <laughs> yeah. he, he didn't really play for Chelsea either, J.K. He, kind of, he was there, but he... <laughs> Another appear. another ghost signing by Chelsea. Like Lu- another Lu- like Lucas Piazon, yes. Yeah, he's just left this week after three games in how many seasons? Five seasons. Yeah, oh, he's I our longest th- standing play. You know that. Yeah, I, have th- I have a theory. Someone Piazzon. just saw it. What, went, what the fuck are you doing? Still doing here? They just forgot about. Didn't him we get rid of you years. ten years ago? What's going yeah, on? something like that. Yeah. Sammy, Sammy. Um, talking of ex-Chelsea players, I mean. I'll get on to Loftus Cheek in a minute, obviously, but uh, your manager is an ex-Chelsea player. In fact, I think. I, I, I might have this wrong. I mean, the boys might correct me if I am, but my memory of us getting Scott Parker was that he played really, really well against us for Charlton when they beat us. And as we were buying everybody, we thought, well, we might as well buy him too. And in a sense, he was kind of there to like challenge the midfield of, uh, I think, uh, certainly Joe Cole and Frank Lampard at the time. I think Makaleli might have still been around as well. He had no chance at all, bless him. 
but he's a, he's clearly a lovely chap. Now, I mean, there was a lot of talk, you know, that he was a bit out of his depth at Fulham, but the Fulham fans I've been speaking to are being quite effusive in their praise of Scotty Parker recently, and I think perhaps for good reason. Yeah, definitely. Look, it's still only about six, seven months when we did a podcast just after lockdown saying Scott Parker's got weeks left. That's what we said back in June, and our tune could not be more different now. Um, You're so fickle. I know, are we are football fans fickle, but we we didn't look like we were doing anything under him. But he's a quick learner, and you know, I know that you guys have your problems with Lampard because no, he's we not- don't. No, we don't. It's not us with the problems with Lampard. It's everyone else. <laughs> well, Lampard doesn't seem to learn from his mistakes tons. Sometimes, you know, he seems to keep making the same mistake over and over again. Parker doesn't do that. He makes a bad mistake and everyone slams him for it. And then he changes what he does. And he's really, really learning on the job, but learning very quickly. And I guess, unlike Lampard, look, Lampard and Parker are not dissimilar in their amount of managerial experience. Maybe Lampard's maybe got, what, a season more than Parker? But unlike Lampard, Parker is in the perfect place where, okay, it's not, you can't just go and make it. It doesn't matter if you lose at Fulham, let's be honest. It matters a little bit less, I guess, in that (laughs) sense. We're expected to lose football games, whereas Chelsea aren't as such. Yeah, he's doing really, really well. And you mentioned that Everton game, kid. Um, that was kind of a point where we were like, okay, we're improving. The real turning point was the win at Leicester because we went into that game with this mad system where we played Bobby Deckard over Reed, normally a striker at right wing back, and everyone wondered, what the hell is he doing? And did this kind of five at the back system, which suddenly just clicked and worked. And he drops Mitrovic and he drops Kearney. Again, everyone wondered, what is he doing? And since then, the only match we've lost is against Man City away. So this new system has worked wonders for us. Yes, lots of draws, not so many wins, but considering some of those games have been against Liverpool, against Spurs, against Southampton, um, it's been a really marvellous one. Tomorrow's an interesting test for him, though. Um, mm. Interesting to see how far he's come because it's, it's, it's another tough opposition for him. And, and, and you know, how long can he keep this run going against top teams? You know, eventually, surely, we... We have to come unstuck, but I'm, I'm hoping it well, isn't tomorrow. We're, we're hoping it is tomorrow, Sammy. <laughs> now, look, we we all we all have a huge lot amount of man love for for Ruben Loftus Cheek, who um, looked like the first real kind of academy graduate to properly break through, although it took him a long time, and he and he and he looked really good in that season under Sarri, and then cruelly injured in that ridiculous match over in Boston. Uh, and you know he really looked like he was struggling at the beginning of this season, and I, we all wondered whether there was a, a mentality issue due to the nasty injury he got. But how, how's how's he been doing at Fulham? Sadly, I didn't see the Spurs match, and everybody was raving about him. But uh, you know how you know you you see him every week now. So how's he been doing for you guys? I've got some really bad news. He is he is not doing well. Really? Because like, I heard all. the opposite. Look, he played okay against Spurs. Wow. He played okay. Like, the fact that it was probably his best performance so far for Fulham says more about his performances so far rather than about the shifts that he put in. I think he has played a lot of games recently, and in all bar maybe one or two matches, he's been the weakest player in our team. I I don't see him with a future for you guys. I don't know if he's Premier League quality let alone top six, top four quality. I really, really don't. There's an interesting one. We don't know what his best position is, right? He's being played as number 10. I don't think he's that. He could be a 
number six, like a DM. But then in our team, we've got Frank Zamboagisa, who is absolutely awesome. And there's no way that, Lamp- uh, sorry, not Lampard, Parker's going to pick Loftus-Cheek in that position over him. Maybe he can be a, a box-to-box. But again, you know, we've got Mario Lamina for that. And arguably Mario Lamina is better than Loftus-Cheek. I don't know what it is. He has flashes of brilliance. He came on that game against Everton in the second half and was yeah. quite good. That, and he, he, he wasn't great, I agree, but he did he he did he did link very well in a way that you needed, and he 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 spun off. He, he's got that ability to 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 hold the ball well, and um um because of his size, really, because of and and bounce off players and then lay it off. So, uh, but then, you know, as you say, uh, we're not watching him all the time, so uh, there's the possibility that it's not it's it's they're just little moments that aren't really you know making him into a, a terrific player, you know. And this is what he has, little moments. He's not put in a 90 minutes yet. He Like, nowhere near a 90 minutes. And, you know, I think there are some Fulham fans, and I, I'd say maybe even 50% of Fulham fans, would terminate his loan and bring in someone like Origi in, in, instead. Like, it's that bad. I, I don't wow. see him with any future for Chelsea. Maybe he'll find another Premier League side that can build a team around him. And look, he's been injured for a long time. He's still young. He might find a position or a club that's better suited to him. But really right now, the situation is is pretty desperate for Loftus-Cheek. And we were excited and we've given him a chance. And I hope he proves me wrong. But yeah. Martin, what, what do you think about it? I mean, that's a surprise to me. I've got to be honest. What do you think? Well, I've, I, again, I've not really watched Fulham Barb the win at Leicester and the draw at Liverpool where I thought they were very impressive but um, I had heard amongst our own chat that someone had watched Loftus-Cheek and wasn't impressed they looked like he was lumbering around a little bit that he wasn't up with the pace of play and that he looked like a, a little bit like a fish out of water how long he can do that and be excused because of the seriousness of, it, of his injury is a question I guess I mean it's sad really because we saw what he, what he was becoming until he got injured in that game in Boston. So, but again, we waited two or three years for Zuma to get back to full fitness. Really, after look, his look at look at Hudson Odoi, who's only I think now beginning. I mean, actually, if you think about it, he's doing much more. He, he's much quicker in his recovery than both Zuma and Loftus Cheek because I think he is beginning to get back to his best. It was I think one was a partial tear, whereas Ruben suffered a full tear, and then yeah. he's muscles in his leg atrophied or something like that that's what I've read I don't obviously I don't know the full ins and outs of it I do have one question for Sammy about an ex-Chelsea player who's now he goes Ola Aina has he been loaned from Torino has he signed permanently because I was quietly impressed by him when he played for Chelsea but then he just tended to he just disappeared uh, yeah, he's uh, alone with an option. So okay. Fulham have the option to buy um, Aina. If After we what we're to. hearing about Tamori, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I've been impressed with Aina. Um, he came, came in as a backup right back to Kenny Tese and now actually plays on the right side of a three-man defence. Um, he has a mistake in him, absolutely no doubt. But um, some of his cross-field passing is unbelievable. Um, and there's a few that he's done where I've just been like sensationally um, surprised. So yeah, impressed with Viner, done a decent job. Don't think he's going to set the world alight, but I, I think more than a quality enough player to play kind of for a team like Fulham. Hmm. Does that mean that Kearney won't be playing tomorrow? Then he's not in the uh, in the setup now. The, and the same with Mitrovic as well. Is he not? Um, uh, um, while, while we're at it with Mitrovic and Kearney, who who is it that we should be worried about? 
Okay, well, um, to answer your question, Kenny won't be playing, um, as far as I know, because he's injured. Um, I expect Mitrovic to be in the squad, but again, he's got an injury, so I would expect him to be on the bench, even if if they were both fit. I I think Kenny would be playing only because Loftus-Cheek is is ineligible to play against Chelsea. Um, Loftus-Cheek's been keeping him out, again, which is another kind of sign of resentment from Fulham fans because we love Tom Kearney and he's been playing quite well and weirdly Parker dropped him. Um, Players that you should look out for for Fulham, um, Adamola Lookman is sensational. Um, I would love to keep him, but we don't have the option on his loan. So I've done that penalty, of course. Yeah, less said about the penalty, the better. Um, that was an infuriating moment. Pat Nevin but... did absolve him. In fairness, he yeah. said at least, <laughs> at least look, look was at least Lookman's penalty reached the keeper. Oh, only just. <laughs> it was it was the most horrible moment of the season by a long way. Um, another player to look out for is Frank Zambalangisa. He is the best midfielder outside the top six. I'm not just blowing smoke and I'm not just saying it because I'm a Fulham fan. He is sensational. Um, his dribbling ability is the best that I've seen at Fulham since Moose Dembele. Um, I think he's one of the best midfielders to ever play for us. Um, so he's he's been brilliant. And um, Ariola in goal as well. Also another fantastic goalie. Um, pulled up some amazing saves against Spurs and has kept us in so many games. So uh, it's going to take a decent strike or two uh, from a few of your strikers who have been struggling to find the net um, to, to get past uh, Alphonse. All right. So Sammy. One of the big dribblers from my era was Tosh Chamberlain. Rest in peace. Very sad news. Yes. Yeah. So, Sammy, um, you know, Fulham haven't beaten us since 2006, right? That's 14 years ago. Um, and uh, I was a lot slimmer then, I think. But anyway, um, how on earth are you going to do it tomorrow? What's the plan? We won't win. Really? We don't. You're that confident of not winning? We don't beat Chelsea. Doesn't happen. I don't know what it is. It's like Everton and Liverpool. Um, it doesn't matter who's in form, who's not in form. It goes out the window when we play you guys. Maybe the fact there's not fans there could be in our favour tomorrow because there's something that happens when Chelsea roll into town and Fulham, you know, sometimes we get a draw or something, but I, my expectations for tomorrow are extremely low. I will be in hope, no expectation. Look, I mean, there isn't a much better time to be playing Chelsea and Fulham are in good form, but the gods will make sure it goes in Chelsea's favour tomorrow. It's just one of those. It will. That, that is the way I see it happening. Sammy, you do hate us, though. This is the trouble. <laughs> well, I don't think Sammy hates us particularly, no, Joe. No, no, particularly, but... maybe yeah, when he, you, maybe... You're, a, you're a lovely guy, kid. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe when, we, when he was trying to present us, he probably hates us. But I don't think generally he does. No, so. no, no. But in gen, you know, it's in, it's in the... It's in the uh... It's in the chance, isn't but why, it? But why, why do Fulham hate it, us, Sammy? It, we are Fulham, super Fulham, and then it's, you know, cut Chelsea. It's that. It's in the song, isn't it? Um, no, we don't like, we don't like Chelsea. We never have, no, we no, never in, will. In, in, but no, but you used to, because when I used to go uh, with my dad, um, you used to sing Dear Old Pals, Jolly Old Pals at the end of the game. <laughs> I kid you not, this really did happen. And my dad and I stood in the enclosure and Tommy Trinder and Chappie D'Amato would come down yeah. and invite us in for a drink in the bar. And they all, they all did a little routine together at halftime. Oh, they did. They did. Yeah, they Jonathan, did. his dad, piano, and Tommy Trinder. They, they yeah, playing yeah. a piano as well, yeah, was it? They, they did. They did. And we all went round. Yeah. And because large numbers of the fans were, were, were went to Fulham and Chelsea in that era, people just didn't go away. So you could actually legitimately say... Sammy's gone uh, white at you saying this. I, uh, uh, I know, I know, I know the, about that's this. The, I... That's the appropriate colour for a Fulham fan, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Lily white. Lily white, of course. No, no, that's they, the... They would, 
Yeah, the other lot. Yeah, the other lot. They would legitimately say, I support Fulham and Chelsea. People would actually say that. I mean, legitimately, because they didn't go away and they would have a season ticket at both clubs. I mean, or even stand, as I say, in the enclosure, which of course is is seated in the old stand. And I remember holding my dad's hand and watching, thinking, you know, I don't really know which team I'm going to be supporting, Daddy, because he wanted me to be a Chelsea fan. But there we were watching Fulham and uh, I got a bit confused. But he was doing it there because he was an actor and he stood with there about 20 actors who all stood together and they'd all swap casting possibilities. And it was uh, it was like a kind of, you know, an opportunity to see who was working with whom and see if they get any work out of it. So the little area just in the corner, that's when. Tommy Trinder would come and they knew him because some of them had worked with him and they'd say they'd go into the stand. How the mighty have fallen. Now they have David Hamilton as their chief celebrity, Sammy. <laughs> Look, I mean, the times <laughs> have changed, not, not times have changed Grant, haven't then. they? <laughs> no, yeah, Hugh Grant's still got me number one. Richard Osman also is a... Keith a Allen. Now he's pointless. Much. Keith Allen. Yeah, very nice. Keith uh, Allen. Yeah, Keith Allen, who was in that lovely drama on ITV this yeah, week. Good actor. I saw Keith, he was in Twintown, wasn't he? Yeah. Which yeah. is like, yeah, his cameo there is <laughs> rather X-rated. But I, I, th- think I, might... feel, I feel for Keith Allen, mate. He's now more famous for having Lily Allen as a daughter. Yeah, but it, the, the joy of that film was he's, I think his brother wrote and directed it and absolutely stitched him up with the cameo. Yeah, where he's right. eating a spiked hot Oh, dog yeah, yeah. It. No, it's yeah. a good film. No, I've, I've seen it. Sammy, yeah. enough, enough of this badinage. Um, I'm going to ask you to, to, to give us a prediction before you disappear and leave us. Look, I know I was um, all doom and gloom there. I'm going to say one all, only because I can't ever give a prediction that lives uh, that is uh, Fulham losing. But yeah, um, is it, look, the Fulham and Chelsea derby is, is an interesting one. We don't like you because you're our big neighbours from up the road and we're not supposed to like you. Um, yeah, we, we and love everything, you. We love ev- you, though. That's I know, and it makes us hate you more. It's annoying when you yeah. guys say that. Yeah. Um, we don't like it. We don't, have, And we especially don't like Frank Lampard. So why don't you like Frank time... Lampard? Well, we, uh, Fulham's greatest um, call was uh, nicking his TV one day, wasn't it? Um, from, from his house. Um, uh, he always loved scoring and playing against right. Fulham. He always went straight up to the hammy end. That well, was his favourite thing to do. In so. fairness, there was probably Chelsea fans in there because we seem to take most sides of the ground. Yeah, <laughs> yeah That's yeah, probably yeah. true. <laughs> I mean, Sammy, I, I shall leave you on a very loving and tender note, which is we don't hate you because you're shit. Oh, well, thank you very much. You know, that, that's what we would say when you say you hate us. So there you go. I mean, apart from all that, Sammy, it really has, it has been delightful seeing your lovely, lovely mug again. It's been far too long. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's lovely to talk to you about your beloved Fulham. So thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, let's see who wins tomorrow. We will. We might. We might. What's the prophecy? What, what do you He said say? one all, mate. He said one all. Oh, sorry, I was asleep. Yeah, okay. Wake up. Wake up, JK. Yeah, sorry, Goodness sorry, gracious sorry. me. Sammy, you've been, you've been brilliant as we knew we, we knew you would be. Um, I kind of wish you kind of good luck for tomorrow, but obviously not a huge amount because I want Chelsea to win. But uh, I do hope Fulham stay up because, as I said earlier on, one of my favourite aways is to Fulham and I shall... Yeah. I'm really yeah. grumpy that we can't be there tomorrow. So, uh, so there you go. But anyway, you take care, and we will see you hopefully again soon. Cheers, guys. Good luck. Well Cheers. Done, mate. So good. Brilliant good stuff. stuff. Uh, Sammy James there from the Fulhamish podcast, and we will be back for part three to give you our completely unbiased and uh, unblue tinted. Now we're going to be biased as hell for our preview. Obviously, we'll see you in a sec. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com. 
Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, Stanford Chidge, him over there, kid. What was yeah. all that about? What was that kid? all about? I'm thinking about my back at school. What's it? What is... yeah, the sneak <laughs> of the almost... sneak of the remove, kid. I almost said to him, yeah, I almost said to him, I think you've left the O off. You know, <laughs> he probably said, no, kid. No, 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 kid O. Uh, anyway, we've got, we got JK, JK yeah, yeah. to his mates. And yeah. uh, we've also got the lovely Martin Wickham. Are you on your Hello. second beer yet, Martin? No, I'm not. I've just finished off the first. You're slacking, mate, anyway. Right, we've uh, myself in. We've had a good we've had good fun so far. We had Sam Sam Incasol from football.london on for the for the kind of the news roundup. It was good to see Sam yeah. on his first show. Just had Sammy James from the Fulhamish podcast. Basically the Fulhamish podcast, they go for it. They know what they're doing. They won the uh, football is it the FSA? Yeah, they think they won the FSA award for best podcast. So They've won an award. We've won two, obviously. So, you know, not that I'm counting. Anyway, time for our preview of the Fulham-Chelsea match tomorrow. And I think the first question, Martin, we know Kante's uh, out. Gilmore has to start, surely. And I think the other person who deserves a start is uh, Hudson-Odoi because I think he was, he's was he been very good and I think meritocratically I would start him. But I think the key issue is Gilmore, really. He's got to start in place of Kante, not Jorginho, not Kovacic. Yeah, I think um, I know Gilmore's been eased in a little bit, but he just offers so much more control. And on the Hudson Odoi question, absolutely, I think if if we have a if we're supposed to have a meritocracy in selecting this team, then Hudson Odoi has to start because when he's come on in league games and been chasing dead dead issues, he's done all right. He's done nothing wrong, and I think he did and he did very well against Morecambe. Gilmore, I'd like to. I'd like to see him start, if only because I really don't like fucking Jorginho. <laughs> quite frankly, there's no. Uh, I'll leave. I'll leave it there. But yeah, I'd like to see to see him get a go. But um, at the same time, Lampard may feel he needs to err on the side of caution and experience. In Gilmore's case, in Hudson Odoi, there's no excuse for him not to start. Mm. J.K., what say you? Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't. Um, just because he'll give play Pulisic and um, uh, and Zayesh and Werner, but um, he Which should. I, I wouldn't have a problem with that because what we found out last week was, or the week before, they clearly need games together to yeah, really, absolutely. yeah. And I guess well, Zayesh, Zayesh improved enormously in the uh, the Morecambe game. He just thought he, he was getting back to his his slinky best in the same. But I, I'm as I've said on the on on the uh, the Monday show, um, uh, Adoy just is getting better and better and better. And we're beginning to see um, the the level that he used to to play when he played in the uh, in the youth sides, which is um, this beautiful ability on the ball to rake these huge passes with the outside of his right foot as well, which was uh, is almost bullet like. Um, and uh, I, my my reservation as always, I just wish he'd take more people on. Which, funnily enough, was actually echoed by Frank, um, saying that we we'd like him to to use the opportunity because he's getting, becoming so relaxed to to, to uh, show his real skills. So obviously he shows these skills in training, but it's just still slightly inhibited. But he's getting there. I really think he's getting there. So we've just, it, encouragement and um, uh, and skinning people. It's the skinning aspect of a forward that you really need to have. All the really top players that we've seen over the years who are become great wingers, take people on and beat two or three or be, or they, it's not just getting what going down the line and getting a cross in. It's, it's dribbling at people and scaring the hell out of them because uh, fullbacks just can't deal with it. If somebody's going to 
take two players out of it or defences can't deal with it and then lay it on a plate. And I think he's got all that talent, Adoy. Uh, but we've got the, you know, the other player who is deeply talented, Pulisic, in his position. And uh, the and the other players Zayesh. So I, I think I think Zayesh. I think if if Hudson Oy comes in, it will be for Pudisic, not Zayesh. Yeah, not for them. No, absolutely, absolutely. Because Zayesh, as you said, is 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 arguably. I mean, I mean, it's hard to say who who our best player is, but he has this rare ability to unpick a defence. Yeah. With a yeah. with a single, I mean that that pass to Hudson Oy last week. I mean, I know it was only Morecambe. But it was still brilliant, and he's he can, he can do that against anybody, mate. Also, the cross he played in for in for um, uh, Havertz was great as yeah, well. Totally, totally. But it's that ability to hit far post crosses with his other foot. That he's got he's a wonderful a, foot, wonderful left foot. He's a magician. The boy's yeah, a magician. I love it. I love it. But yeah, you know. So I'm. I think we're, we're we've got great players there. It's just a question of them, and I think Havertz will come into his own eventually. You'll you'll be very proud of me, J.K. I, yeah. I know you are as a rule, but you'd be particularly proud of me because in the piece that. I've got going up on football uh, London tomorrow. I did manage to get the phrase in that Chelsea are playing all the right notes, but not necessarily in the right order. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so true, isn't it? Did anybody get that with reference to? Morgan? I don't know. I should have. I should. I don't think Sam's read it because it's Adam Adam Newson who emailed me today, so they're putting it up tomorrow. But anyway, um, Martin, um, the, I think the other issue again, something that Jonathan and I had a right old ding dong about on Monday is. Is is obviously Timo Werner. You know, I was delighted he, he he scored a goal last week because I think he needed it for his confidence. And there's been an awful lot of talk recently. And I think you know, with with to be fair, rightly so actually, because when one looks at how how Werner played at Leipzig, he quite often played as a as a two up front. Uh, we know for a fact that he seemed to play a lot better, even though he was on the left. But when Tammy was playing in the middle. He and Werner seem to link up really, really well. Um, so the question really is, is it Timo or Tammy tomorrow, or is it Timo and Tammy? I think I know the answer to this, but I'd be curious to know what you think. I would play both. To be honest, I'm... You would play Timo and Tammy? Yeah, go for it. I don't think there's anything to lose on this. I think what Tammy's been doing, which Werner hasn't recently, is leading the press. He's far more at it than Werner has been in the past. And... Werner's obviously got speed, which is why he played, um, I think it was to the left or just behind Paulson when he was at Leipzig. But I think it would be, if you play Werner or Tammy and you drop Abraham, then you know he's probably going to feel a little bit aggrieved because I don't think he's done too much wrong, whereas you know, Werner's missed as many but, but what as do you, what do you do with Pulisic, Hudson-Odoi and Ziyech then? Oh, I mean, this is this is if, Frank's if I, problem. If I, if I knew the answer to that, I'd be in Frank's job. That's the, the thing. I mean, I've, it's he's such he's got so he's got so many. Oh, he's he's got all the ingredients, but he hasn't quite got the recipe sorted, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, as it's I said, very tough. I mean, I yeah. God, I'm stalling for an answer. Here. Fucking hell. Well, I because go, I, think, I, I think I would I would go Werner and. Yeah, but I think I think Martin and, and I'm kind of asking this to you, Jonathan, as well. Therein lies Frank's problem, and people give Frank a huge amount of grief. Now, okay, fair enough. He's the manager. It's his call. He has to make those decisions. But we know, we know the game, and we're struggling to know what the best solution is. I mean, I think the simple answer, J.K., is that maybe you know you don't play, you don't stick rigidly to this four-three-three that he wants to play. But it just it's complicated. He's got you know too many players in a sense. To, to choose from and, and get it right. It's tough, isn't it? Well, I, I think there aren't enough players who are 
who play at a really high level every game. You know, like when in the in in two thousand and eight, you knew that Frank was going to play absolutely top of his game. You knew that Ballot was going to play at top of his game. Um, and you know, you, when Robin played, you knew that he would skin and get three shots in all on target. Probably some would hit, one would hit the bar and there'd be a great save. You knew there'd be a standard that they would maintain. And we're not we're not getting that from the uh, from the supposedly top players. Um, um, but one of whom, of course, is Werner, who seemed to work well in the three before, the 4-3-3. Three, three. That was the reason that, that Frank maintained it, I thought, because it had all worked wonderfully. He was scoring. He was on the end of goals. Zarich was playing marvellously. And um, um, who was playing left wing before Pulisic? Because he was injured, wasn't he, when he came? Werner was. Um, um, of course, Werner was left wing. That's right. And then it was Jeb. But James was playing well. And it seems to me that we're not getting this level of, of performance that is necessary. So you get fits and starts. You get we're not seeing Pulisic play at the top of his game because the you know the Pulisic that played against Liverpool away last year was completely superb, and it, that that's made us think that's the level we want him to achieve. But he's so coming we, back from injury and it, blah and blah blah blah. Once blah, again, yeah. once again, uh, but it, uh, I mean there are mitigating circumstances, but nonetheless. I've yet to see them all play at this at the top level that is that we hope that they would have oh, week in week out. You know? I, I think I think you know in in a sense we're, we're I I still think that the, the system is an issue, uh, and I don't think he's quite figured out. I mean, you know, the best system to get the best out of his best players. You know, I mean, we like to. Th- I mean, in a sense, the four three three absolutely should nail down. The midfield being Kante when he's fit, Mount and Havertz playing as two number eights. Yeah, but we're still seeing that we've got a problem, perhaps with Tammy. With the you know Tammy, I think Martin's right. Arguably deserves to be the number nine, but we know that Werner plays well with Tammy. So if you're going to play a four three, then you have you end up having Werner out on the left. That means you can't play Pulisic, and then okay on the right, you've got a choice of Ziyech or, or Hudson Odoi. Then they're a bit weedy in midfield, aren't they? Well, that that I think is, I think that that's a horses for courses. I think that that's very much depends on who you play, you know. But I mean, I I don't have a problem with 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 Mount Havertz and Kant. If Kante's disciplined and sits sits yeah, as the yeah. deep liar, then I've got no problem with that. Mount it Mount happening before in the four three three that was happening before, wasn't it? And we've well, seen I think in, so. In performance, even the City performance, he started ridiculously playing further up the pitch so he was caught out i don't know what happened with that they all they all lost the plot i think but you're right i mean if 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 kante just does does do a sitting and cleaning up role and a distribution role in midfield then i think that works because mount's got so much energy and the thing i mean i know we, we we you know we've actually stopped talking about how brilliant mount is because we've just accepted that that's what he does but in you know even last week you know he'd lose the ball but then he'd hair back 60 yards to win it back so he he's he's okay, I think, defensively because he can get back and he will put a tackle in, and he's got all that energy. Havertz, I think, to get the best out of Havertz, and maybe this is maybe he is the square peg in the round hole because I think he has to be your luxury player. You know, every team has to have a luxury player, so he's not going to be the one that comes back and hairs back sixty yards and defends. He's going to one that will find the pockets of space and won't get picked up, and he'll drift in and out. And that that's maybe how you use him. So maybe. In a sense, it doesn't matter where you play Havertz because you just accept that he's going to play wherever he thinks he should be. 
Is that to Martin? Or to me? You're stunned into silence by my genius-like analysis here. It wasn't really to anybody. I was just enjoying yeah. the sound of my own voice, really. Know, yeah, because you could have carried on if you wanted. Well, I will if you want. <laughs> Martin, we haven't heard from you for a few seconds. So what, what, do, you think of my, what do you think of my absolutely you know, multi-million pound analysis there? What, putting Havertz in a free role? Well, I think, I, think he, I think you accept that he's a luxury player. And if you accept that he's a luxury player, then you dispense with any kind of defensive duties, although I think he's very good at set pieces defending for us because he's he'd a big lad. He'd, he'd want to be a six foot two, yeah. Well, he's a big lad and he's done quite well doing that. Um, but I think actually it is his... I mean, you know, he's one of those players that we criticise because we say, oh, he drifts in and out of games. But actually, that's also his strength because if he's drifting in and out, that means that they're not picking him up. And I think he's got a rare talent for a midfielder to arrive in the box at the right time and not be picked up. Yeah, we just need to pr- provide the opportunities for him to do it because when we've been good, we've been very good, but last few weeks we've been pretty poor and he's suffered as a result. I mean, I think he's still recovering from coronavirus as well, but yeah. that's not a it's not a controversial opinion, I think. But, it, you know... It was good to see him get that goal against Morecambe because he completely missed time to header in the first half. Yeah. So for him yeah, to yeah, yeah. a free header, so for him to get that, and in the last ten minutes where he's barreled in and you know knocked a guy over to get to the ball, I was I was impressed by that. I, I also think you know I, I don't I'm not comfortable with the idea of being wedded to one formation. No, nor am I. Got to adapt a little bit, you know. Yeah. If we, you know, go two down because we've started shit we need to be able to do something different if it's not yeah. working so the idea of sticking to the same thing week in week out and yeah. as Sammy said earlier not learning from mistakes at times that is that has happened I think it's a fair criticism there are plenty of unfair criticisms but that's a fair one I'm not I'm not entirely sure that Sammy's got that right I mean I think he's letting his anti-Lampard bias get in the way and blaming it all on Lampard because he's every... makes him Miguel Delaney or something yeah, like that possibly <laughs> but I mean it, it, you know if there I mean Lampard has made the same criticisms he said well I've told him not to do that and they go ahead and do it but anyway we we digress JK there's something about this match and also how well Fulham have been doing recently that tells me that this will be a much tougher prospect uh, for us than usual against Fulham and and in, in, within that context is this another another match that is you know is it must win or must not lose um, I think the pressure will be off if it's, if it's a draw but I think if uh, if we lose it's uh, it's not going to look too good is it no. uh, so it's must not lose then I think their last game the, um, the, the Spurs game I think they played very well but um, Similarly, people said to me that Loftus Cheek had played wonderfully, and uh, to hear them that he hasn't played well, I mean, I think that's probably very true. He is he, the, the the few times I've seen him play, he he's he's lazy, doesn't run back, and I think that's they in this current climate. The supporters hate that. We all do. We hate somebody just standing about when when there's an attack. Um, but um, uh, yeah, no. To answer your question, um, I, I don't think that I think that that every every loss is a um, We'll have all the the media hounds saying that you know Frank's time is up. Um, so, uh, but he himself today didn't he gave a passion? Oh, yesterday in, in the in his presser gave a um, a passioned uh, um, um, well, what's the word? He gave great support to the fact that he felt that uh, passion plea for patience because he felt that um, um, all the all the, the the new players needed time. And he made a very specific thing of saying that they were. It was a very difficult. All the things we've talked about, as as, um, as not as excuses, but things that were obviously not mitigation. Difficult. But absolutely were were all things that he said. Yes, the 
it's taking time, the players, the new players' time to settle in, and you've got to give them some time, and that's yeah. always been his experience. And of course, Martin, he will know that better than most. And as I keep reminding people, because I was there, uh, Frank Lampard's season wasn't hugely impressive. Uh, you know, his first season at Chelsea, it took him a year to really adapt to playing for a club of that size, even then. And then look what happened to him. So, you know, he's right about patience. But I mean, you know, more specifically, must win or must lose for you? It's a must win for me. Really? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm looking at the league table now. We've got the same, we've got the same record as West Ham by the fact that we're eight, we're eight goals better off. Mm. I don't think that's where we want to be with the um, ambitions that the club and no doubt Frank have. Um, I know Fulham are a much tougher prospect than they, than they would have been at the start of the season. They're much more organised, but we need to do a job here, and we need to do a few more as well because I think next couple of games were. You know, now that the, the talk of the title, which was ludicrous to begin with, has dampened down a little bit, we need to recover and w- string a couple of good wins together. Because if we do that, then we're back in the we're back and much I, higher up the table because it is such a compressed league. And I think, you're, Martin, you're absolutely right. I, I think J.K. was kind of nodding in agreement there as well. I mean, this is the thing about this league that again, everything has to be put within the context. And the context is that, you know, okay, we can call it mitigation, you can call it excuses, you can call it what you like. But I think every single team in this league is struggling with the same or similar issues at the moment, which is why Liverpool go and lose. or why, In fact, Liverpool haven't won away all season apart from to us, and we all know they got lucky there. So, you know, nobody is running away with it. Man United, you know, Ollie's, Ollie's wheels had fallen off four or five weeks ago. Now they're top. I mean, you know, it, Arsenal was shit. They're, now they're going to get back into it. So on, so on, so forth. So, yeah, I mean, JK, we string a few uh, wins together. We're right back in it. No, great, but I think we need to be seen to progress over the next few weeks because we're coming up then to, to the Champions League again. Yeah. So we can't be on a, on a bad run of form. And well, I think... That, yeah. I, it's going to be I, tough, I think, that one. It will. Oh, very tough. They've only let six goals oh, in all a, season. They're a good team, Let's mate. Bloody hell! Yeah. Worst possible draw we could have. Absolutely had. right. Couldn't we we get the we get the worst draw in that round every year and have done since 2013. Mm. Do not tell me UEFA do not rig that draw. No, I think that, <laughs> well that's for another. That, we could do a whole show on that, but we're not going three to right three now. hours of conspiracy theories. I mean, look, um, <laughs> my own my own view is it's must not lose at the moment. Um, I think Fulham are going to be a much tougher proposition than they would have been at the beginning of the season. I mean, their recent results bear that out. I mean, you know, Spurs are perhaps a case in point. Mourinho seems to have, he's trying to like shithouse his way to, to, to getting through games at the moment, which is, to my hilarity, is winding up all the Spurs fans who are just absolutely... Oh, they're their, fuming. They're yeah. fuming, Martin. They're fuming, fuming. mate. Yeah. But as well, he gave his team an excuse to toss it off by moaning about the short notice uh, of the no. game. So, but I mean, you know... Don't give, you, don't give them an excuse. A one-all, a one sorry, Martin. A one-all draw uh, against Spurs is no bad result for, for Fulham. They drew nil-nil with Southampton, which is a good result. Um... So you know, and and I mean, as Sammy was saying, they lost, the only one they've lost to recently is Man City, and I think they they did well against Liverpool too. So this is going to be tougher than it would normally, but I think it's must not lose for me. It really, really is. And the only other thing I would say that perhaps goes against that, J.K., was something we touched on very, very quickly with Sam uh, Sam Enkersol, was that you know, again, and it's 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 that point that we've been making on the show a lot, which is they're not getting enough time on the training ground to start developing these relationships, understanding how each other fits into the plan how they play together and they've had a you know they've had a week effectively so that surely hopefully will will pay some dividends tomorrow one would hope so yeah absolutely it's given him an opportunity we 
you, to actually possibly think of a different a different tactical setup um, or just to uh, um, uh, I don't know you hope Werner to tell him exactly what he needs to to become the the top goal scorer again or or play with a play I with need the ball or, played to my feet or at yes. least about three feet in front of it so I can run onto the ball. So I run it and so I kick the ball with my foot. I do not I, want the ball floated across the uh, area two foot above my very short head. Very short head because that is something that Giroud should be dealing yes. with. That is for Oliver. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> if he, if he, uh, but what I, I suppose what I, I would no, like... Don't to mention see, the VAR. <laughs> yeah. Very good, Martin. What I'd like to see happening is when he brings Giroud on, if he does, is then not to take Zayech off because you go, no, hang on, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Which he's done on several occasions. Well, he's taken the provider off. You say that, and I mean, the, the one area that we haven't talked about is I think that we can almost guarantee tomorrow that it'll be Mendy, James, uh, Zuma, Silva and Chilwell. So the, back five, the famous five are back together. Because I think James is fit, although I'm really worried about his dodgy knee, which I think probably needs an op. Um, but I hope, I hope, I really hope Gilmore starts tomorrow because, you know, if there's anybody who can kind of replicate the kind of effect that Kante has on the team, it's Gilmore. He's got that same, he's, he's, he's quite short as well. You know, he's got that same buzz and energy about him. He's a fierce tackler. He can pass, I, you could actually argue, he, he can pass better than Kante. So Gilmore's got to start for me. Jorginho just slows it down too much. Think Can't be having that. He'll start Kovacic. Yeah, but I, I mean, what what I like about Kovac, I don't like Kovacic as the as the sitter because, you know, I think he doesn't have the pace for it. But I do. What I do like about him is that what Kovacic does that none of the other midfielders tend to do, is that he will pick the ball up and run his way out of trouble. He will run at. At, at the other side and that's good because that frees up space for the others so I, I like Kovacic but I don't like him as a replacement for Kante because I don't think he is you're right Gilmore would be a lot better wouldn't be absolutely right yeah, yeah but there you go what do we know we just sit here talking arse gravy every week we don't every get week. we don't every get paid week. to manage the club stop we talk gravy. okay boys look uh, time to nail our colours to the mast I mean how do you see it going JK and, and what, what's your prediction 2-1 to Fulham <laughs> you hedging your bets here or what no, that's what I that's what I put on uh, prem predictions. On the, on, yeah, prem predictions. But um, I want us to win two one. I think we'll win two one. Mm. And how do you see it going? Is it going to be tough? Is it going to? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, think. They... I, I, I just think we might make an error or two, or we don't. I don't know. I don't know, Chidge. We You'd hope they'd come and they'd just take them to the cleaners. This team has the potential to take teams to, teams to the cleaners because they did it earlier on, and I don't get what's happened to them that they can't do it anymore. Uh, so you know, uh, Martin, I'm I'm with J.K. that it's going to be tough, and and there's a reason why I think that, uh, and that's because I think that that Fulham will flood the midfield, and I think if if Scotty Parker's got anything about him, he will he will make sure that Fulham press Chelsea as much as possible, because I think that's where we've struggled a fair bit this season with teams that will will basically outnumber us or outbattle us in midfield, and then press us into making mistakes, and then what happens is you get this massive gap between defence midfield and the forward line and I and I think because of the way Fulham play that's what they'll do so I think it's going to be quite a, 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 a an attritional match tomorrow that's my fear anyway yeah I think it, it will be tough and my prediction is 3-1 to us but that's I, I suspect that would only be courtesy of a late goal to you know pad the scoreline out a little bit Fulham will if they do as you say then we need to stamp our authority on the game quickly and break the press 
frequently and not muck around as we have been had a propensity to do recently. I know we struggled massively against Man City, but I think they're one of the best teams for doing that. Um, so hopefully we can have mm. a a bit more about us this time and you know break their press and you know hit them with you know get um, get more more up front against them coming back. But we the shall advantages see. of them pressing is, is is at least then you you can get the ball on the break and dump it down the pitch and. It might be the thing that Werner will, will, will you know, exactly. Will, will, will he's got really the spe- he's got the speed to do it, but we need to get the ball to him, and they yeah. need to not panic when they're in possession as well, which is half the battle. Yeah. Um, I think it, it 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 it'll be yeah. I, I mean, the fact is that one should take note of what Martin says, J.K., because Martin is by far and away the highest placed Chelsea fancaster in the Prem Predictions League. He got two spot ons out of three last Monday or whenever it was. Oh, okay. It'll yeah, be, it'll be three one then. Yeah, I'm going three one. No, exactly. As a result, as a result of that, uh, in spite, of- I, I I am due a shocker of a week because yeah. I've had two three figure weeks. Arsenal fucked me up for a season's best, the bastards. But um, no, Mark, yeah, do a shocker. You're it'll doing very well. Two one then. Oh, yeah. So you're, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to go two one. All right. You're going. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, look, if I'm being really honest. I would I, I I would not be at all surprised if this ends up being like a one-one draw or something like that. I think it's it's set up for that. But I'm gonna go I'm gonna I'm gonna go two-one because I can't bear to not ever predict Chelsea not winning, which is why I am where I am in the Prem predictions table, Martin, and why you are where you are. I have not predicted a Chelsea loss. I yet. wasn't yeah. suggesting that you were. <laughs> I, I, just get mate, just to make that one I, perfectly I know, clear. I know it's draws. All down, <laughs> I know it's all down to your genius, and you've done and very, I very well. Even leads a win yet. Yeah, I know. Well, they're unbackable, mate. Cause you never know what what they're going to do. That's no, always Everton and West Ham that do me. Yeah, well, West Look, Ham, I, West Ham are un- unbackable. I mean, I had a whole year of who knows wins that betting out that we were doing last year, yeah. and West Ham would fuck us up every week. Anyway. West Ham solely exist to break coupons. They are, and I've had a West Ham fan I used to work with who just said, "Don't bet, don't bet on us, don't bet against us." Well. There we go. Okay, I think we've done enough on that. Uh, it's really always useful and interesting to hear what you have to say. Obviously, we all hope that Chelsea win and hammer Fulham and send our, our little cousins from down the road packing. Well, I mean, we're actually at their manor, but you know what I mean. Uh, we can't have Fulham bragging, uh, having bragging rights, so uh, hopefully Chelsea will do the business tomorrow. Now, um, a couple of things before we go. First of all, um, I've got an article coming up on London, as you know, which will be up tomorrow, which is all about... Uh, I think I, I titled it. They always change the title for some reason, but mine was "Has Romans Has Romans Scratched His Itchy Trigger Finger?" That was my title. So there's no chance of them having that one at all. No, no, no. But it was basically I think that actually things have changed, and he's not in as much of a hurry to get rid of managers who underperform as people, particularly the press, like to think he is. So have a read of that. That'll be out tomorrow. And uh, the lovely Mark Meehan has sent me uh, this, which I'm just going to read out. It's about the sleep out to help out, the big uh, Stamford Bridge virtual sleep out this year. You might remember uh, the year before last, we all slept out under the uh, East Stand in aid of various charities organised by the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Well, we're doing it again this year. So the Trust, with the full support of Chelsea Football Club, will be holding the second big Stamford Bridge sleep out on Saturday, the 23rd of May, 2021. The event will raise vital funds for our next-door neighbours at the Oswald Stoll Foundation who provide homes and support for former veterans. 
Oswald Stoll Foundation provide homes and support for 500 vulnerable veterans and their dependents each year. With over 13 years of wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, many of today's veterans suffer from mental health issues, including PTSD and physical sensory disabilities as a result of the conflicts. Stoll supports those whose problems often emerge years later, those who find themselves unemployed, homeless and on their own. They're often reluctant to seek support, having been trained to be resilient and stand on their own feet. Stoll is the only organisation of scale providing homes and support for veterans in London. The event, though, this year will be different. Because of the government lockdown restrictions, we we plan for sorry. Because of the government lockdown restrictions, we plan for the Big Stamford Bridge Sleepout 2021 to be a fully virtual sleepout. So you can sleep out or you can sleep in. It's very simple this year. You can take part of the Big Stamford Bridge sleepout either by sleeping in a location of your choosing, your front room floor, kitchen floor, garden, garage or the shed. Not that one. Uh, that's all there is to it. Any Chelsea fan can take part whether you are six or 60 years of age. Uh, and you can go and you can be anywhere in the world and still take part on the night. So very different from last time because obviously you had to actually go to Stamford Bridge. Families can get involved and you may want to camp out in the garden uh, for the night and do your bit to raise money for Stoll veterans. All money raised on the night will go to a wonderful homeless and support charity. The Chelsea Supporters Trust will be launching the big Stamford Bridge virtual sleep out at the end of this month. So watch out for the online announcement and details how to take part and how to raise money. Like last year, we're looking to set up a Just Giving link page to help people raise the money by setting up their own individual sponsorship page. That way, it goes straight to the charity and you don't have to collect it. Last year, we raised £27,000 and we would like to do even better this year. So if you have any inquiries, please email inquiries at chelseasupporterstrust.com and if uh, any individuals or companies who feel they can help support the sleep out uh, want to know more, get in touch at that address. What a worthwhile thing, JK. I think basically what they're saying is you can sleep anywhere as long as it's not your bed. Could you sleep on a lilo? In or, the or somebody else's, in fact. Somebody else's bed, yeah. Yes. Could you... Um, I think you could you could still sleep on your bed and pretend, could you not, as long as you're given the money? No, I think you have to have an, a, a modicum of discomfort. Oh, OK. Well, how about if you put, put peas in the bed? Well, I think you do that normally, don't you, JK, from what you told me? Um, and that's peeing in the bed. That's uh, well, that that yeah, you pay extra for that apparently. Yeah, yeah, apparently, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. Well, it's wonderful, children. You did it last year, and you were, uh, and it was there was great yeah. camaraderie, and um, um, and it was a terrific thing to do for for. Uh, I'm I'm going to sleep in my garage. Um, are you really going to sleep? in Yeah, your there's garage? a heater in there. My, my Sarah uses it as her den, right? So she she come in and work while you're in there. No, well she she she's got she's got a heater well, they, in there. They or something. She's got a heater in there, fully electric electric up. There's a fridge, another beer fridge in there. She's got um a, a you know like a, 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 a an Alexa or a Google in there, so I can listen to music or whatever I want to. It's actually quite civilized, you know. I'm... Isn't the idea to actually put yourself in the kind of shoes of somebody who's homeless rather than um just lying somewhere where you know you 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 normally just yeah chill out, chill out anyway. No, but the floor's fucking cold. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. Well, put put it. Make sure you put a a, a blanket. There. I will. I will. I've got all that. Martin, um, there you go. You've got no excuses this year. You can do it. You know, you do it in your own manner, as it were. Just you know, ten cans and fall asleep on the sofa. <laughs> we've all been well, there, Martin. We've, yeah, my, we've all my, done. A, we've all done a sleep out. Some of us yeah, unintentionally. Face, face on the floor or something. <laughs> uh, well, look, whatever. I'm, you know, I mean, you lot out there who are listening to this show. I mean, I think because it's virtual, you can do it. What would be lovely because we've got so many friends from all over the world who listen to this show, 
Um, it's not restricted to just the, the 50 or so of us who did it last year at Stamford Bridge. We can all do it wherever we are in the world. Although it might be a bit interesting if you're in Australia because obviously you'll be having to sleep in the day. Or as Talking Heads used to say, some people sleep in the daytime if they want to. Anyway, enough of that. Um, we've had fun tonight. Jonathan, have you had fun tonight? I hated it. George. Good. That's what I like to hear. I hope you hate it even more on Monday. I'm sure you oh, will. Oh, completely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's been lovely to see you, old Bean, as always. Martin, good to see you too. Well done and Happy New Year again. Yeah, cheers. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. I hope uh, everybody who's uh, listening to the podcast and those of uh, you who are listening to us live on Mixler have equally enjoyed it. I have two uh, great guests as always. Uh, now, JK and myself will be back uh, on Monday, of course, for the usual Chelsea fancast and we'll be joined by some poor unsuspecting soul to look back at the Fulham match and, of course, ahead to the Leicester match, which is the following night on the Tuesday. I say unsuspecting soul because I've yet to do the schedule, although I'm I'm getting in a live feed as we speak of people's availability. So somebody will be informed over the weekend uh, as to the uh, requirements that they attend the Chelsea Fancast on Monday. But there you go. Uh, until then, thanks for listening. See you next week. Keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. Up the Chelsea! Podcasts, die wir lieben. Es ist nicht alles gay, was glänzt. Oder doch? Das klären wir jetzt in Busenfreundin, der Podcast. Hey Leute, mein Name ist Ricarda. Ich bin Comedy-Autorin und die Stimme des LGBTIQ-Podcasts Busenfreundin. Und ich treffe jede Woche spannende Menschen und spreche mit ihnen über alles, was die queere Szene bewegt. Bei Busenfreundin gibt es Unterhaltung gepaart mit Haltung. Oft. Also nicht immer. Denn manchmal schweife ich auch ab, zum Beispiel mit Leuten wie Riccardo Simonetti, Sarah Kuttner und vielen, vielen mehr. Also schaltet jetzt ein zu Busenfreundin, eurem Lieblings-LGBTIQ-Infotainment-Podcast. Bei Acast finden die besten Podcasts aus aller Welt ein Zuhause. Abonniere diese Show oder finde weitere spannende Podcasts bei Acast oder wo immer du Podcasts hörst. 